We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to the Eurostep Podcast. I'm Kane Pittman, and I am joined, as always, by Ty Windish on the other end, who has uh, had a bit of a week off with me uh, from, the, from the podcast. We thought after the season we had, we might just take a few days to let everything settle down and, uh, and, and I guess, try and move on from, from the way the Eastern Conference Finals finished before we moved on to the, uh, the off-season moves and, and a big summer ahead for the Bucks. But uh, how you doing, Ty? Uh, you know, I'm good. Uh, would be better if we were a little busier and had uh, some more podcasting to do on, on game nights. But, you know, bright side and everything, uh, it's kind of fun to watch a series with not, not any real stake in for me. And, uh, you know, hey, a little, little time off isn't the worst thing. You know, I've, uh, I've gone outside recently. It turns out that's pretty fun to do. No, it was a long season, and I, I did actually just catch up with a friend and had a coffee, and uh, when I arrived, I said to her, I said, well, you know, we're, we're not actually, we shouldn't actually be here right now. Uh, I said, I should probably be in Oakland uh, getting ready for game three, and you should be preparing to watch the game somewhere, wherever that may be, but instead, we are going to talk about the off season, and, uh, you know, clearly... Uh, for the Bucks, so many decisions that need to be made, uh, you know, outside of, of Giannis and Bledsoe, all the key players, uh, we don't know whether they're going to be back. And so this episode, we are going to touch on uh, Nikola Miritich and, and Malcolm Brogdon, uh, both up for a new deal uh, in, in the coming weeks. But before we do that, I said to you before we started recording, I was going to throw something at you. So, this week, I'm doing the 1-3 to three show on 97.3 The Game, who do support us uh, also. And uh, I was in there today, and I walked into the studio, and Eric Name was finishing uh, the 11-1 to one show, which he was filling in. And so he was going with Ted Davis. I was with my friend Mitch Nellis. So he wanted us both in there to start the show, and he said that he thought of someone that the Bucks could use or could try and get. Now, 
it was interesting when he said this guy because I thought it was going to be more outrageous than the actual name he gave us, but I'm interested to know what you think about this. And before I say the name, I don't personally think that this is likely at all to happen. I don't see it happening, but I want to know what you feel about Boogie Cousins as a fit on this Bucks team. And we are not talking about Cousins from a year ago who you thought was on the verge of getting a, you know, a, a max deal on huge money. We're talking about the Boogie Cousins has had two pretty serious injuries, obviously back playing now. If, and I have no idea what the market is for Cousins, first of all. Like I, I, I have no idea what someone is going to be willing to pay. My feeling is it's going to be a short-term deal for him and maybe in the range of around 10 to $12 million. And if that was the case, what do you think about the fit of Boogie Cousins on the Bucks if Brook Lopez gets offered a big deal that the Bucks can't bring him back? I'm a little uncertain about it. Uh, I hadn't thought about it at all, honestly. It is a it is a fun question. I don't think without looking, and I'll, I'll I'll be bold. I won't even type as I go as I sometimes do, not too often. I don't think Boogie is as good of a three point shooter as Brook Lopez. Maybe a better percentage, but he certainly doesn't shoot them as often. I don't I don't think it's even as good of a percentage. Uh, I think on offense, his passing and and just what he can do around the basket could probably make up for that. I mean. As we've seen in the finals, Boogie, a very good passer. I think six assists last game. He's doing a lot of help for the Warriors without so many of their key players. But defensively is where I'd have a problem with it. I just I don't think Boogie would be able to play the way Brook Lopez does. And that sounds funny to say because, I mean, Boogie more athletic than Brook Lopez. I mean, just as solidly built for sure. But it takes so much discipline, I think, to be able to play the drop center position, the way Brooke does for these Bucks and Boogie, a guy known for you know taking some gambles, go jumping early, things like that. And I just don't know if it would be a good fit. That said, I mean, the talent level is obviously high, and if you can get him for you know your taxpayer MLE, or your non-taxpayer MLE, or whatever it would cost, and in a world where Brooke is somehow gone anyway, I don't entirely hate it, but I don't. It's not ideal to me. Yeah, that's interesting. So I thought, so the three-point thing for me is interesting to look at. So I am going to cheat a little bit and take out this season um, as he returned from the Achilles. But the numbers for DeMarcus Cousins, because when you talk about percentages and volume, so this is uh, DeMarcus Cousins on the Pelicans uh, in 48 games to end the 2017-2018 season. He shot 35% from three on 6.1 three-point attempts per game. Brook Lopez this year shot 36 per, 36% from three on 6.3 attempts per game. So uh, <laughs> they're actually virtually identical numbers there. Now, obviously, Lopez yeah. played 81 games. That's only a 40-game sample size. But Brook Cousins, a 33% three-point shooter uh, over the course of his career, um, yeah, clearly has no problem going out to that range. And this was the funny thing when I when I did think about it, and I'd only briefly given it some thought, and I guess um, you know, the reason for that was because you always thought that you know, Cousins is going to get paid, and then he has this uh, second quad injury, and then you go, well, maybe he isn't going to get paid because he's a real risk. So uh, I, I think the, the three things I think about are uh, health, obviously, 
you know, his cousin's a guy that you can rely on. If you rely on him to be a major part of your team, can you rely on him to be healthy? The second thing was uh, personality. I, I don't think that you can replicate what Brook Lopez brought to this team in terms of uh, his energy, how, how happy he was to be here, the relationship he had with the players. Clearly, that's always been a question mark for DeMarcus Cousins. And then the third thing for me was uh, unselfishness because with Cousins, you're talking about a four-time All-Star, two-time All-NBA. I mean, this guy was a legit <laughs> a legit number one you know, through, through most of his career. Can he come into the Bucs and be unselfish and play the way that uh, the Bucs played this year and the way Brook Lopez played? Uh, because... You know, I understand that when you're in Golden State and you, you can maybe take a backward step when it's Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, these guys, would he do the same thing for Chris Middleton and, and Eric Bledsoe? I, I don't know. That's a, that's certainly a question uh, for me. But And again, I think this is something that's uh, you know pure off-season talk. I think it is unlikely. But if you're talking about a guy that could strictly do the Lopez role, then, you know, I mean, uh, Cousins is a pretty high-end talent. Uh, you know, to come in and play that role if things didn't work out with Lopez and Cousins didn't have the market and wanted to do it. Yeah, and I think you know it's it's you, you said earlier. You know, oh, it seems like Boogie's going to get paid. Well, I think a lot of people thought he was last summer too, and that didn't happen. So, I think if he doesn't play again in the finals, it's a lot more likely that you could see him in Milwaukee just because I think his value would be lower. He's having a pretty good finals. I've actually may have eyed up the odds on uh, a Boogie Cousins slash the field finals MVP at this point because it seems like Steph Curry might not ever get one. And I think that kind of performance, if he remains good in these finals, if he helps the Warriors win these finals, would probably drive up his value. It's sort of similar to how prospects who play well in the tournament end up getting a big draft stock boost that maybe isn't really indicative of the caliber of prospect they are. I think Guys who do really well in the playoffs oftentimes end up getting paid just for that. I mean, look at Biznak Biombo, look at Timofey Mozgov. He could go on. Happens a lot. So I think if he shows out in these finals, it for sure isn't happening, but it's an interesting thought at the very least. Yeah, so one last thing on this. I, I, I do agree. It is interesting, and it's kind of fun uh, to think about. So one last thing that I want to ask, and, and this isn't the Chris Milton episode. We're going to get to that, but – you know, obviously the big question is, uh, you know, or the, or the thing that people have talked about all season is Chris Middleton a number two. So my, you know, when I was thinking through this, and again, this got thrown to me on the spot. I've put you on the spot with this one. You didn't know I was going to ask that. But if you so say just, you know, in theory, if you, if you think about this, so you signed Chris Middleton to a max, you have Giannis on the team, you signed Boogie Cousins for, let's say, two years, $20 million. 10, 10 million a year, 10 to $12 million a year. Are people then satisfied to say, even though Chris Milton is the one on max money, are people willing to say, okay, the Bucks, yeah, they have a number two now. They've got a four-time All-Star, two, two-time All-NBA guy. Is DeMarcus Cousins a number two? I think I'd rather have Chris be my number two in that situation. But, but I mean that doesn't I matter. Want, I don't want to spoil my Chris take. Wait, what? What? So what do you? What do you mean then? Well, that doesn't matter. Like once you have the guys on the team, but what I'm saying is, do you think that the consensus would be like, okay, yeah, like 
again, I mean, because what does it matter in, in a basketball team? You, like, they're not walking around the locker room saying, oh, yeah, I'm number two or I'm number three. Like, that's, like, they, like that doesn't happen. So this is this is a conversation purely for, for fans, right? But I, I'm just wondering if, if, you know, the big thing is that the Bucks can't win a title if Chris Middleton is the number two. Now, even if they have DeMarcus Cousins, maybe Chris Middleton is still the second best player on the team. But do you think that people would say, oh, okay, well, oh, oh well, the Bucks have Giannis and DeMarcus Cousins. Chris Middleton, you know, is number three maybe or, or two B whatever you want to say then Eric Bledsoe is the fourth best player on the team okay yeah now I can see that the Bucks have uh, you know a, a, a team that is going to contend for an NBA Finals and yes I understand this is all you're doing is replacing Cousins with Lopez and he's going to play that role so what's the difference I don't really know I'm just curious whether having the name DeMarcus Cousins would satisfy people into you know in, in terms of thinking yeah this team actually is a contender now I think some people uh, certainly some of the people who, I mean, you mentioned name, I think some of the, not Eric, but N-A-M-E, <laughs> I think certainly some of the people who go off of name recognition, maybe more than most things, I, I would venture a guess that if we looked at a Venn diagram of people who would be really excited about Boogie and say he's a, a second star, probably just a complete circle with no, no other circle cited, it's probably the same same group of people that were really excited about potentially adding Derrick Rose, I think, like two years ago. <laughs> Just because you, you hear the name and you, you flash back to a sort of picture of them in their prime. And, you know, that's not what you're getting. I mean, Derrick Rose has played on lottery teams since then. And Boogie Cousins has been on better teams, but he hasn't been healthy most of the time. He's been there. He certainly hasn't carried the same load. I think... Early on, there would be some people who would be completely sold and completely jazzed about it, but I don't think a lot of people who really pay close attention to the game would really think it's a significant move for them replacing Brooke Lopez with Bookie Cousins. I would be among those people. I don't think it would be a massive earth, earth-shifting move for the Bucks. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I mean, I, I think and, – and, of course, Lopez, obviously, when you think to game one of the Eastern Conference Finals, they don't win that game without him. I, I, I do think you know obviously a, a healthy cousins. If if you do get him on that uh, cheap deal and 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 like I said, he stays healthy, then yeah, I think you have got you know a genuine all star caliber difference maker. So I, I think from that point of view, yeah, I mean uh, he is another guy that. And look, at times they did this for Lopez. And as I said, Lopez carried the Bucks in that game one of the conference finals. But I do think Cousins is another level up in terms of, all right, let's give him the ball and let him just physically destroy a defense. I mean, I, I you know, I, I don't want to forget about how good uh, Cousins has been. Again, I don't think this is something really likely, but when the question got thrown to me today, I thought it was really interesting and uh, I wanted to pass that along to you. So, uh, you know, I guess, you know, in general, regardless of whether it's with the Bucks, we will watch to see what happens with DeMarcus Cousins. But I did say that we were going to touch, uh, touch on Miritich and Brogdon today. So we will start with Miritich. Um, yeah, I'm really confused now uh, to see what the market is for him. You know, I, I think a, a huge playoffs for Miritich, uh, similar to the year before, results in a big-time payday for him. Uh, that didn't happen. Uh, so now... Uh, the the question will be uh, with with Nico Miritich, how much is he actually worth? I mean, what do you think that this you know he he's actually going to get paid this summer? I don't think his bad playoffs will completely nuke his trade value. I think he could still get a pretty good contract somewhere. 
I think you look at a lot of teams out there who this season really suffered with spacing, and they're going to be completely enchanted, much as the Bucks were, with a big guy you can very comfortably slot in at the four and not worry about giving up too much size, or even the five sometimes, even though defensively that ended up usually being a disaster for Milwaukee. But still, I think it wouldn't surprise me for some team to really sell themselves on you know, the, his floor spacing and rebounding and someone like, I don't know, the Lakers, another team out there who just was congested and has money to blow. It wouldn't surprise me for him to get eight figures, at least $10 million a year. I, I wouldn't be stunned to see a shorter term deal where he got something like that annually, maybe a little below, but it wouldn't shock me if he went higher too. I mean, Ursan's deal was pretty nice for him. And I, I think Ursan has less, uh, I, I guess, you know, value around the league. I, I think people would be more excited, more willing to pay for Miritich now than Ursan last year. And Ursan got like r- roughly $8 million, $9 million a year average, I think it was. So not – it depends how you look at the partially guaranteed year. But, yeah, I, I think he could make eight figures still pretty, pretty comfortably, I would imagine. I think that's right. I mean, uh, this is a guy that – and, you know, this, this these playoffs – uh, notwithstanding, uh, where he only averaged 9.5 points, uh, shot 29% from three, Meritich in the playoffs. It was it was particularly brutal. And, and obviously, as we saw, uh, didn't see the floor in game six when Bud you know, probably decided that if you know he's in such a shooting slump, he's not hitting those threes, you really can't play him. And I think that uh, was probably, you know, for me, enough to say, okay, they're not going to invest huge dollars in a guy that, yeah, sure. It was only a slump, and I'm sure he will bounce back and shoot the ball well, really well next year. But uh, I do think that um, that for me was probably the nail in the coffin for. There's a price with Meritich, and I'm sure they would like him back. He was a, certainly a well liked player, uh, you know, in the organization. Uh, when I spoke to John Horst during the Celtics series, he mentioned Meritich as one of the guys that he hopes know that the Bucks want back. I don't know how much the, the Eastern Conference Finals changed that. Um, I, like I said, I, I do think there was a dollar mark. But when I think back to the trade, I mean, obviously Miritich was a guy that copped a, a lot of uh, negative uh, feedback, I guess, from the from Bucks fans as as he continued to miss from three. But just some numbers for Miritich, uh, you know, in those. And again, these are a little contentious. These these tracking numbers for NBA.com, whether it's uh, you know uh, open threes or, or wide open threes, uh, which is classified as a defender being four feet or uh, more away. So Miritich shot 29% on those open or wide open threes in the playoffs. During the regular season, uh, he was hitting 36% of those. And I I think if he hits 36% of those in the playoffs, then we're all looking at him a lot different. Uh, Maybe they win game three and maybe everything changes. So you can say that about a lot of things, but that's just where we're at. And then you look back to the playoffs last year, and this is why I'm still totally fine with the trade. I think it was a move they had to make. I think they got great value for Thon Maker. Miritich shot 43% on those open threes and 43% from three overall with the Pelicans through uh, two rounds last year. So, you know, obviously people always say it's a make or miss league, but uh, Miritich missed in the playoffs. And that uh, was kind of frustrating because this is a guy that's proven himself on that stage before. Yeah, I think my thing with Nico is all he really did this year was – regress away back to the mean if you total this year and last year and look at three-point percentages. I mean, sample size obviously a lot bigger in the regular season overall for him and his career. Nico Miritich is that 35.9% from three, which, I mean, is 
roughly sort of in between what he shot this postseason and last postseason. And I just think going forward, I would expect him to be closer to that 35, 36% mark in any long stretch of time than I would the 43 he shot last playoffs. And at that point, with all the other shooters the Bucks have, with you know some of the other guys they have to make decisions on, I'm just not sure I'm interested in investing anything in him. And and also, I just didn't I didn't I thought he was kind of a black hole in Milwaukee. Uh, he did average 1.4 assists per game, which is it, with, just with the Bucks, which is one of his best stints ever. But it's still not a whole lot of assists in 23 minutes per game. I know for a big guy, it's it's not terrible, but a lot of his threes. You know, if he took a lot of good threes and missed them, I would shrug my shoulders and go, whatever, you know, it is what it is. That That's life with, with any shooter. I hated most of the threes he took. I mean, still moving, not usually that open, really far from the basket. And I just don't think a guy taking all those threes, those kind of threes, if they're not going in, it just really felt like it derailed what the Bucks were trying to do a lot of the time when he did play. So I think now you look at if you're having to pay eight figures, you know, ten or more million, with everything else the Bucks have to juggle, I'm I'm not all that interested in it if from Milwaukee's point of view. Yeah, it's uh, you know the shot selection is is such a, a a weird thing because I know that that I for a fact. I mean, you talked to Bud and he was telling him to keep shooting those. I mean, that's the shots that they wanted him to take. And I think sometimes when you get these these gunners that, that take those shots, I mean. Yeah, it's pretty quick to get frustrated with them because they look they look bad when they miss. I mean, the shots look bad, and, and as you said, there was certainly some difficult shots that he took through the playoffs. When you think about a guy trying to find some rhythm, you were like, ah, I don't know if that's the shot that's going to get you going when you're shooting twenty nine percent during the playoffs, right? So, uh, yeah, I think that was certainly frustrating. I do think again that this is, you know, when the Bucks are analyzing where their roster is at next year. I think a guy that we are going to find out how much faith they have in him is going to be DJ Wilson because their son is most likely going to be a, a buck next year. Obviously, he's contracted next year for $7 million. Uh, so if her son's around, I think he, he proved through the year. He's, he's certainly got, um, you know, at least another season of playing, you know, rotation basketball. Um, he was a valuable contributor this year. But I, I think a guy that if Miritich leaves, obviously he's going to be playing more. Uh, you know, depending on what, how how things shake out, would be DJ Wilson. Um, I was gonna say, if you don't mention DJ right now, you are gonna drive DJ Wilson Hive absolutely bonkers. Well, I I just think that look, I, and I listen. I'm someone that had no problem with him not playing in the playoffs. So I thought the rotation was fine. Maybe you could argue that Miritich should have been out earlier, and then uh, yeah, maybe you play DJ Wilson a few minutes. But I mean, it was going to be so inconsequential that to me, it didn't really matter. But I think next year going forward, I think that they will probably expect something from DJ and expect him to be more prominent in the rotation. A big part of that is obviously going to be the three-point shooting. He shot 36% on just a touch under three attempts per game. So I think with what DJ can bring defensively, if the three-point shot becomes real, uh, then he's a guy that they they could probably lean on to play. Now, the difference between DJ Wilson and Miritich when you think about uh, how this affects the defense they're not going to respect DJ Wilson the way that teams around the league uh, respect Nico Miritich. That's just the way it is. DJ Wilson is, you know, new in the league, hasn't played a lot, obviously had some good moments this year. Uh, so I, I think that that would be 
you know, the big thing for DJ, he needs to prove that this he's an above-average three-point shooter, get that respect, and then it doesn't really matter. I mean, for what he's bringing on the defensive end, then that's a that's probably a plus uh, for the Bucks either way. But, yeah, he, he's one guy why I think maybe Miritich will move on. As I said, I could see Miritich back in Milwaukee if the price is right. I do think that that, that price mark is going to push him out, though. Yeah, and the one the one last thing I will say, I'll go a little cat nerdy here. Not not too in the weeds, but because Miritich has been traded and not uh, re-signed with a different club, the Bucks do have his bird rights, so that does make it easier to retain him. Yeah. But I still just don't. Like, they could, you know, pay whatever they want theoretically to, and go way over the cap, but I just I don't think they would want to. And, you know, obviously that eats up what you can do in the future, and it gets you ever close to the luxury tax, which, you know, people, people often – immediately assume that the only reason any team would go below the luxury tax is, you know, because of quote unquote cheap owners. I mean, there's something to that. There are other things that change too. When you go over the tax, everything becomes a little harder in terms of making deals. So there is uh, incentive to stay below it for as long as possible. Plus, I mean, no owner wants to pay a big repeater tax if they can avoid it. And the more years in a row you're in the luxury tax, the higher that bill goes. So it's all, uh, it's all nuanced. It's all complicated, but do you have uh, any other Miritich thoughts right at the moment? Not really. All I was going to say when you touched on the luxury tax, I think the owners have been pretty clear that, uh, and on the record, that they're, they're willing to pay the luxury tax or they will pay whatever they need to pay as long as this team is a championship contender. I think the team is you know, going to be a contender for, for, the, for the foreseeable future, certainly while Giannis is still around. So uh, for me... I don't think that they would have a problem paying him if they thought that he was going to be a guy that was going to be a major contributor. Now, as I've just said, I think DJ Wilson complicates that a little bit, and I think that you could certainly make an argument that, yeah, there's no need for the Bucks to, to, to go into that luxury tax for Nico Miritich if you have DJ Wilson on the roster. I think that's a perfectly fine argument to make. Yeah, I think that's fair. Before we move on to Malcolm Brogdon, this is this is my finals game seven, Kane, because we don't have one ad read this week. We have two. Damn. I know. But it's just something to keep in mind throughout all ad reads, all podcasts, all of life, is when you're selling online, getting your orders out can be a real pain. That's why you need ShipStation.com. Because, Kane, as you well know, of course... It's the fastest, easiest, and most affordable way to manage and ship your orders, no matter where you're selling. Amazon, Etsy, your own website, ShipStation brings all your orders into one simple interface. It also helps you get out orders quickly, save money on shipping costs, and ShipStation will keep your customers happy. And right now, Eurostep listeners can try ShipStation free, completely free, for 60 days when you use promo code BLUE. There's absolutely no risk. You can start your free trial without even entering your credit card info. ShipStation works with all the major carriers, including USPS, FedEx, UPS, even Amazon Fulfillment. That's a big one. Amazon, pretty important company. You can compare and choose the best shipping solution for you and your customer. You can look at all those options. No wonder ShipStation is the number one choice of online sellers. You'll ship more in less time with the best rates available. All you have to do is visit ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in Blue, B-L-U-E, as in the Blue Wire Podcast Network. ShipStation.com, then enter promo code BLUE. ShipStation.com, people make ship happen. Also, I think you guys know about Harry's. We're going to talk about 
Harry's right away too because Blue Wire is continuing to team up with Harry's to make sure our listeners are shaving comfortably. Always a big concern. Fitting to do this right after talking about Nico Miritich who definitely shaves comfortably. With Harry's, who can say? Anyway, go to harrys.com slash bluewire to save $10 on the value trial set. This includes a five-blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel, and a travel blade cover. Take it. Take this show on the road. You get all that for just $3 shipped right to your door. No more cheap razors in these parts. It's totally worth trying Harry's because they fix shaving by combining a simple, clean design with quality and durable blades at a fair price. Harry's founders were tired of paying for razors that were overpriced and overdesigned. That's why they bought a world-class blade factory in Germany. And they've been making quality blades there for more than 95 years. Well, that factory has it. Join the 10 million who have tried Harry's. Claim your trial offer by going to harrys.com slash bluewire. Every blade comes with a 100% quality guarantee. If you don't love your shave, let them know. They'll give you a full refund, all three of the dollars. Again, make sure you go to harrys.com slash bluewire to redeem your razor for those three doll hairs. I'm still here. Is that the, uh, is that the end? Yeah, I can go through them again if you missed anything. Do you need a break or something, man? Like, do you need a, do you need a drink? I have a delicious, to... bubbly uh, blackberry sparkling water. Uh, they, they don't, they're not a sponsor yet. Maybe now, maybe once they hear this. But I'm good. I got the blackberry sparkling water. I'm ready to go. That's good, man. I was just worried halfway through. I'm like, is he gonna, <laughs> is he gonna pass out? Uh, is he gonna make it through this ad read? But uh, you did. That was an incredible effort. Well, I had and, to make uh, ship happen. You know this. Yeah, well, I do. I just, I just hope you have enough energy to talk about Michael Brogdon, who, for mine, is the most interesting out of all the uh, the free agents for the Bucks. I feel like I have some sort of sense for what's going to happen with everyone else, but Brogdon, I honestly have no idea. I, I don't know how to gauge where the market will be for him. I don't know how to gauge where teams will view him in terms of, again, when we're talking about number twos, number threes, number fours, I don't know where teams will value him in that scale. Um, I'm not sure how much teams are going to be concerned about his injury history. I just think there's so much going on with Brogdon uh, that I know on the last episode I did say that, you know, when you you had to do the yes or no whether you think they'll be back, and I did say no, I don't think he'll be back. A lot of that is because I do think that someone uh, might come through and pay Brogdon uh, just a ridiculous amount of money. I mean, I, I could see that happening. Um, of course, he is a restricted free agent. The Bucks will have the right to match any offer. And at the end of the day, they can bring him back for any price if they really want to. But uh, it's it's really interesting. I mean, where's the market for Brogdon in your eyes? Well, the market with any NBA player starts at whichever team will give them a big bag. You know, that's the thing. It's... <laughs> It's not like you just take the average of all of, of what all the teams would or could pay Brogdon. That's what the Bucks have to do. I mean, if there is a team out there that says, Malcolm Brogdon, you're worth, uh, I'm trying to think, could, could he make $30 million? 25% of a $107 million cap? Maybe a little below that. But, you know, well more than $20 million for sure would be his max. Um, would the Bucks would either, he could either bring that back to the Bucks and say, hey, this is, what I have offered to me, sign me for something close to this, or he could actually sign an offer sheet and make the Bucks match. Here's the thing. 
I don't think you can let Malcolm Brogdon walk. I don't know Milwaukee's avenue for replacing Malcolm Brogdon. What I mean by this, we talked a lot about how important his driving was. I think that opened up the offense quite a bit. That's fine. That's a good thing to do. I mean, Brogdon is a solid defender. Brogdon's also by far Milwaukee's most effective three-point shooter. 42.6% this season, which is above his career high, but it's a short career and his average for his career is 40.8. So he's a comfortable 40% three-point shooter. Those are rare. There's only 33 this season who attempted at least 100 three-pointers all year. Brogdon, obviously one of them, actually eighth among them in win shares and 10th among them in total points scored uh, on a non-healthy year, only 64 games played. That's not bad. I think that elite shooting is really important to what Milwaukee does. I think there was a noticeable difference with and without Brogdon uh, this year that a lot of people could see. And I just think even if it feels like a quote-unquote overpay, which, again, I mean, it all depends what what some team thinks he's worth. You just need one in the the league. That goes for trades, too. A lot of people say they're untradeable contracts. Eh, If one team can sell themselves on a guy, probably not. But – I just don't think you can let Brogdon walk. I think he's too important. And you and we talk about the number twos, threes, whatever. Giannis is obviously number one. You know, who's the Raptors' clear number two? And they're in the conference finals. They're, they they were up 1-0. Right now they're tied 1-1 with the Warriors. And, yes, these Warriors are banged up, but they're still the Warriors. You can't, you can't hold anything against the Raptors. They played who's in front of them. They've won every series so far. Their second-best player is either Kyle Lowry or Pascal Siakam. I mean, could you argue that – those two guys and then like Mark Gasol is roughly as good as Chris Middleton, Malcolm Brogdon, and Eric Bledsoe, I think you sure could. So I just don't know if I buy that they need a more fitting, more prototypical number two. I mean, the Raptors really haven't. And I just think the Bucks would be better off to stay closer to what they have now than to try to explore more uh, uncharted waters and let Brogdon walk. No, I don't think they want to let him walk. I don't think they would do that lightly. Um, you know, you touched on a great point, obviously, the shooting, because while the Bucks have, you know, pretty much right through the roster, they've got guys that will take and make threes. They don't really have too many elite guys from three. Brogdon, certainly that, obviously, shoots over 40%, 42.6% uh, this season, has the 50-40-90 season, which... Again, I know a lot of people are aware of this, but but Malcolm Brogdon averages 15.6 points in around 28 minutes. You talk about some of the other guys that have had 50, 40, 90 seasons. You got Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, Dirk Nowitzki, Larry Bird, Steve Nash, Reggie Miller, and Mark Price. So, I mean, you're talking about surefire Hall of Famers, the, the list, and then Malcolm Brogdon. So, uh, yeah, I, I do. Like, I mean, look. It, there's no doubt that, that he benefited from playing with some of these guys. I mean, there's just no question. And does Malcolm Brogdon have a 50-40-90 season if it's just Giannis and you don't have Chris Middleton and these guys? I mean, probably not. I mean, because the shots are going to be tougher. I mean, there are so many times where Brogdon was just wide open from three. You have to take advantage of that, and we saw the Bucks didn't in the playoffs. So I'm not trying to discredit that. Uh, I'm just saying that I do think as much as, yeah, Brogdon was really great and important to what the Bucks were able to do, I do think that the roster for Milwaukee was also so important for what he was able to do. So I, I think they fit so well together. Um, uh, you know, again, as I said, I, I am just really interested to see if there's a team out there. And there's a number of teams that 
that might want, uh, you know, to splash cash. I mean, we know that Dallas is out there. We know Indiana have, have you know, been in, in a mix for Middleton. Both those two teams have, uh, you know, these teams with cap space. Does one of the, the bigger teams strike out on all the big names and end up settling for Malcolm Brogdon? I, I, I don't know. I mean, I think there will be suitors. I think the Bucks will be forced to match a deal somewhere. Uh, the question will just be where that is set. Uh, yeah, the the injury thing that I touched on is kind of scary. I mean, I don't think you want to be paying Malcolm Bogdan too much money. Um, I think there will be a question about his durability. Two seasons in a row, he's missed major time. I think I mentioned this earlier in the in the season, uh, talking about you know the Bucks free agents. There was a game that I was at during the year, and there was a scout at the game who was there to scout free agents. That's what he was there to do. I said, well, that's interesting. I'm like, man, you got a whole bunch of guys you can look at for the Bucks. And I went you know, through names and, and Malcolm Brogdon's name came up and he sort of shook his head. And I said, that's interesting. And he said, he's a scary prospect. And he didn't didn't say anything else. I don't think he was allowed to say anything else, but he just said he, he's, he's a really scary prospect to pay, uh, to invest long-term money. In. And I, I do sort of buy that. Um, you know, you know, with, Foot injuries through college. Obviously, the quad last year was a was a one off, but then yeah, more foot stuff this year. That is a scary prospect when you're thinking about locking Brogdon up for for big, big years, big dollars. Yeah, that's the one thing that gives me pause too. I mean, seventy five games in year one, good. Forty eight in year two with that quad, and then sixty four plus some missed playoff games this season. And, I mean, some injuries are just random. I mean, Chris Middleton's was incredibly random, was just slipping on the floor. But there is something to Brogdon's foot. So I just looked it up. His max number in year one is like 27-some million. And then, obviously, the average value of a max deal is higher than that because you can get 8% raises every year. A different team offering Brogdon could only give him 5% raises every year. So it wouldn't be... Probably average of 29, nearly 30 million a year a season, something around there, which is very high. He's, he's not, I mean, there's no chance he's getting that, right? I don't think so. I mean, I mean, I would be stunned. And if someone offered him that, I would say all the best yeah. in the future. Good luck with the Phoenix Suns or I mean, whatever it is. I, I want to say this, but I want to say that too, but like. Has Otto Porter ever looked as good as Malcolm Brogdon has looked in his career this this last season? You know, uh, well, I, I would have said the same thing for Otto Porter. Oh yeah, no, I'm not saying you keep the player. I'm just saying, I, I do. Do I think it's possible? I, oh right, I, 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 see. I Sorry, think yeah. it's a possibility. I, you know, I think we've seen a lot of guys who everyone scratches their head at the offers they get. So it wouldn't surprise me if he got an offer of twenty million or more per season. I don't know if it would be the full max necessarily. Yeah, I mean, I do think, look, I, I, it's interesting. I've held this thought ever since Bledsoe signed the deal that to me that was probably the ceiling for the Bucks, and I didn't think that they were going to go give him more than Bledsoe money. And, and yes, I mean, the big thing is the playoffs, and we've, we spoke a little bit about the Bledsoe deal and how that looks now after a second straight uh, disappointing playoffs for Bledsoe. But I do think that that's a fair, I mean, fair price for Brogdon. I mean, in terms of importance to the team, uh, through the regular season, I mean, but so without him, I, I mean, I guess when I think about it, I'm like, how many games would the Bucks have won without Eric Bledsoe this season in the regular season? And I, I mean, I think they take a big hit. I mean, when you think about the defensive stuff that Bledsoe did, uh, the pace that he brings uh, on offense, and yeah, he was hitting shots in the regular season. So, uh, you know, things changed. If you took Brogdon off the team uh, and replaced 
replaced him with someone else, uh, you know, one of the bench guys. I'm like, are the Bucks still winning 60 games? I think they maybe could. And that's that's the difference. I do think over the course of the regular season, Bledsoe had more of an impact than Brogdon. But, uh, you know, being able to perform in the playoffs is big. Yeah. And Brogdon has proven that. So I, I think that the Bledsoe deal for Milwaukee is really interesting to say. If someone offered... Uh, if someone offered, uh, you know, uh, $20 million, would the Bucks match that knowing that he's going to be getting paid $3 million more than Bledsoe? And do they believe he deserves that? I really don't know. I'm not sure how much that plays a factor into it, but I just think it's an interesting benchmark for Milwaukee. I think I would probably pay him $20 million. I think your your point on their, their sort of – their average, their – their sort of steady median performance is maybe about as good in the in the season without uh, Brogdon. But I think what you really need to look at right now, if you're looking at the Milwaukee Bucks, is their ceiling. I mean, you want this team it should be a contender. I mean, with, with how good Giannis is, with how good they were, with how good especially at times they looked, that's what you want to look at. So their ceiling, I think, is lower noticeably without Brogdon, especially this is something we talked about, you know, us and everyone who, you know, knows about the Bucks and the salary cap when looking at Chris Middleton is fine if you say you don't want to pay that player that much, but now what do you do? <laughs> Where, where's the replacement come from? The Bucks have the 30th overall pick. We will be doing a podcast next week with a more draft savvy guest than us to talk about what players they might see there. Um, they could deal that pick. They'd have to wait until after the draft because of the Stepien rule. I, I don't think you're going to want to deal the 30th overall pick in a draft for your starting two guard. I don't think that gets you a very good starting two guard. I don't think you can draft a guy that you can expect to do that either. So now you're talking about signing someone for not very much. Even if you don't sign Brogdon, you assume Middleton's probably there. Even if you let both of those guys and Nico walk, there's still not a ton of cap space. So you're signing someone who either really wants to play in Milwaukee, which maybe the, the Bucks are good, or it's just affordable anyway, which means they either haven't shown a lot or they're sort of unproven. Maybe they're an injury risk or something like that. Or someone who's there, so like Sterling Brown, who I think everyone knows I love Sterling Brown. I, I don't think he can come in and be Malcolm Brogdon for sure right now. Probably ever. Maybe. I mean, I'm, I'm on Team Sterling for sure, but Malcolm Brogdon, I mean, you just talked about how rare 50, 40, 90 guys are. So I just wonder, you know, what do you do if you don't bring him back? You know, where else do you look for that kind of production? Yeah, I, I think that it, it's tough. I mean, like you said, I mean, are you going to get a guy that's going to get you 16 a night on 50, 40, 90? Probably not. I don't, I'm not really totally comfortable. Even though I know that the dollar amounts are going to be different, I'm not totally comfortable comparing the impact of losing Brogdon compared to losing Milton. I, I just think they're in completely different levels in terms oh, of... Oh, no, yeah, both, for sure. Both ends of the I know you agree with that, but I just wanted to make that yeah. clear that, you know, I think the Bucks, if they lose Milton, take a huge step back. If they lose Brogdon, yeah, I mean, I still think, yeah, they'll take a step back, but I think overall they'll have the quality to, to still be really, really good. Um but it, it, I mean, this is this is why you know when I when I started this, whatever it was, fifteen minutes ago, this is why I, I said that Brockton is is so interesting to me. I, I really I keep going backwards and forwards. I don't think that I'm going to come to a to a real conclusion or a real answer uh, before whatever plays out plays out. I, I think that he's a guy we would all love to be back. Uh, hopefully, he is back. Hopefully, it's at a great price for all parties, and hopefully. Uh, 
you know, it's just the start of, of uh, you know, a big few weeks for the Bucks. But I, I don't know. Have you got any other final thoughts on uh, Brogdon? I will say just, and I don't want to make it sound like this is for sure going to happen or even like this is a great chance this happens. The Bucks do have a history of not letting guys even get to the, the market, right? I mean, we saw this. Chris Middleton's last free agency. Yeah. I mean, he was instantly signed. Uh, Eric Bledsoe gets the extension during the season. You know, he doesn't get to officially go talk to teams. I'm sure Rich Paul over at Clutch Sports or whoever Bledsoe's specific rep is, I would assume Rich Paul, has some idea. But, you, you know, you, you can't know concrete what, what offers they're going to be there. You can't really talk to teams that early. And, and Giannis didn't, didn't go anywhere, didn't hit free agency. He signs early as well. So, you know, and they, there's a chance they, they, that this gets done before other teams even get involved if, if, the, it, if the sides are – Agreeable. Yeah, for sure. And Miles Plumley didn't get there either. It's always worked out <laughs> well for the Bucks. It's always been a great, uh, great time. But no, uh, you know, this is this is John Horse we're dealing with. Uh, I think that he's built up enough trust with the fan base that uh, he's got it all figured out. And uh, yeah, I don't think there's no doubt that he wants everyone back. But he's got a big job over the next few weeks. But I mean, as we continue to discuss all these moves and pot- or potential moves, potential contracts. Uh, you know, for, for for those listening, hit us both up on Twitter. Uh, you know, whether it be on the on the episode tweet or or just uh, tag us in general and let us know what you think. I know from being on Twitter and and, and the same with you, Ty. That uh, this is what the NBA this is what happens in the NBA. I mean, the Bucks were in unfamiliar territory of going all the way to the conference finals, but it doesn't matter how far you go in the season; it doesn't take long. And in the day after the loss, in the two days after the loss, all the attention already turned to the contract. So it's going to be a big few weeks leading up to this. But uh, you know, we've got through the first couple, and we've got a few more to get through. Obviously, before July first, we've got draft stuff next week, as you mentioned, which will probably be our our, our next uh, podcast early next week, talking the draft, talking possibilities with pick thirty probably discussing all sorts of different moves as well. Uh, we will get to that. But, Ty, thanks for joining me. Uh, we're about an hour away uh, from, from Game 3 in the NBA Finals. I'm not sure how many of the listeners are actually watching, but I am. So I'm going to go get ready to uh, to watch that game. Sounds good. I am watching, not intently, but I, I like to watch. I, the teams interest me. I, I will say, yeah, hit us up on Twitter for sure, at MKEBucksAUS, A-U-S for Kane, obviously, and Ty Windish for me. And if you want to uh, reply to me, uh, any tweet, or just tweet at me with a picture of you listening to the podcast, if you want to hop in our Discord, we have some Bucks fans in there. It's been a little quiet, sort of a morning period since the end of the season, but we have some people in there. We talk basketball. Sometimes I goad Kane into showing up a little bit if people have a question for him. Uh, a lot of me sitting in there, though, uh, maybe at work. Hopefully my bosses aren't listening to this. I would never be on Discord at work, of course. But, yeah, you can check us out on there, too. And, obviously, please subscribe, rate, review the pod, tell your friends, tweet about it, Facebook about it, MySpace about it, Yik Yak, whatever. Get the word out there. You know, we're still doing this. We'll be around uh, covering all the – a lot of people would say the real season is is July. So we're going to dig into that big time. Yeah, for sure. It's, uh, as I said, the fun is about to begin for Bucks fans. In the lead up to next season already, which I know is ridiculous, but this is where it all begins. So uh, thanks again for listening, and Ty, uh, I'll catch you in a couple of days. Sounds good, my friend. Thank you, and thank you to every single listener out there.
tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. 